Park in a 4-1 win away at Hamilton. Uh, Malcolm Ebioe started for Hull City, but was replaced in the 55th minute in a 1-0 defeat at Bristol City. Scotty Banks stayed on the bench for the full 90 minutes for Bradford in their 1-0 away at Doncaster. Uh, John Kamani Gordon came on from the bench in the 67th minute for Carlisle in a 5-2 win, uh, away win at Crawley. Luke Plange came on a substitute in the 84th minute and was booked in the 85th minute for Lincoln City in a 1-1 draw at Forest Green Rovers. And a couple more for you. Uh, Ryan Bartley was on the bench for Eastbourne Borough in a 1-0 away defeat at Chesson. But since the last show, boys, uh, we've, uh, we've actually made a signing, can you believe? Uh, I know the transfer window is closed, but we have signed young Dylan Reed from St Mirren. Uh, the 17-year-old midfielder has signed a three-and-a-half-year deal and will be part of the academy uh, set-up going forward. So congratulations, D- Dylan, and welcome to the club. And also big news, because we missed it last week because we weren't on the air, was Vincente Quaita made his 150th appearance for Palace. It is now obviously 151 following yesterday. So again, massive, uh, massive congratulations to him. And don't forget, he's also signed an extension to his contract. Um, so I've lost my notes there, boys. Okay. So talk to me. One of you talk to me about the um, the thing about the goalkeeper situation. Ian, we'll kick off with you first. So yeah, okay. Vincente Guaita and Sam Johnson's injured. Yeah, and before I do that, I'm just going to say, apologies, everybody. I don't think we went out live at the beginning of the broadcast tonight, so apologies. We are live now, of course, and everyone's joining us, so it's good to see everyone joining us in the chat tonight. So uh, um, that's uh, that's live podcasting for you. You know, it doesn't always go smoothly. Right, goalkeeping situation. From going to from a position where we've got too many goalkeepers, suddenly, potentially, we haven't got enough. So we send Jack Butland out on loan to Man United, um, thinking he's going to be their reserve goalkeeper uh, for the rest of the season. Um, we'll come back to that bit in a minute. But we have Vincente Guita, obviously, and then Sam Johnson as an able backup. Sam Johnson is now out injured for six weeks. Butland hasn't even featured on Manchester United's bench at all in this time. Uh, and yet it's a season-long loan without any recall. So we cannot get him back. Uh, and um, that means that we've got young Joe Whitworth, who is now uh, on the bench. Uh, to be fair, he got a little bit of experience on the bench in a couple of games when Patrick Vieira was short of substitutes and named two goalkeepers on the bench. Um, but he is the uh, understudy at the moment to Vincente Guita. We're just going to hope that in the next five, six weeks, um, Vincente Guita stays fit. So that's the situation, as far as I understand it, uh, uh, goalkeeping at the club at the moment. Yeah, I appreciate that. And as Ian quite rightly said, apologies for any... Uh, Technical difficulties at the top of the show. So I want to go on to quickly how some of the other teams have fed uh, since we were last on air. Saturday, the 18th of February, the under-18s drew 2-2 home to Brighton and Hove Albion. Their next match is away at Arsenal on the Tuesday, the 28th, at the Arsenal Training Centre. The under-21s, Monday, the 13th, uh, they were away at Leicester City, an incredible 1-1 draw. Uh, Wells uh, Morrison scored for Palace in the seventh minute. Uh, Monday the 20th, they drew 0-0, the under-21 drew 0-0 with Man United. Nathan, big news from that game, Nathan Ferguson, the much-missed Nathan Ferguson, 
played the first 45 minutes with no injuries and trained for the rest of the week with the first team. So uh, he's close to a comeback by the sound of it. Well, I say comeback, he hasn't even started yet, has he? Has he actually, <laughs> even, start, has he actually even started the full game for us yet? No. He he's come off the bench, hasn't he? Didn't he play yeah, the top yeah. last year briefly or something? Under 21, and the under 21's next match is away at Tottenham Hotspur in the Division One Lamex Stadium. I don't know what the Lamex Stadium is. The women on Sunday, the 26th of February, had a 2 1 home win against Sheffield United. Okay, uh, and their next match is Sunday, the 5th of March at two o'clock at Hayes Lane, uh, home to Bristol City. Um, so if you are available on Sunday, the 5th of March, please get down and support the girls because we're making a big issue uh, as a team on Red and Blue Review about backing the girls, supporting the girls, and more importantly, getting the club to support the girls even more uh, and maybe make some more investment in the ladies' team. Joe, are you going to go down there on that day, Sunday the 5th? I'll come with you, mate, if you're around. Uh no, Sunday. I'm bloody checked on Sundays. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Give it up for Monday. Right. Okay. We're going to move straight on. Ian, if you'd be so kind, would you start covering the Brentford game for us, please? Yeah. So, sorry we didn't do a show last week. We were still, I think a few of us were still struggling on the back of the uh, last minute equaliser. But um, no, uh, Brentford away last week. Second visit to the G Tech Community Stadium. Uh, there's the lineup. Um, two things about this lineup. Uh, one, it's the first time we wore the black kit, which um, people have been looking forward to. We looked the business in it, albeit with the white socks. And the return of Joachim Anderson from injury, which was uh, brilliant to see. And the first time, I think, that uh, Sambi Lakonga had started for us last Saturday. Early chances, both ends. Um, our friend Jordan I, who looked lively. Um, he got Ben Mead booked early on. Um, Elise's shot, left-footed. Uh, Raya saved. It was probably the highlight of the first half. Came and went quite quickly the first half, if I'm honest with you. Um, in the second period, again, Elise was in the centre of everything. Um, across the board, Schlupp, Hedda was close. Um, the, the other end, Goita was forced into a couple of good saves. And then we came to the 69th minute. 69th minute, everyone's favourite number. So Elise floats the ball in uh, for an Eze Hedda. And uh, good work from Ayu in the build-up beforehand um, to get the ball into the box. Brilliant ball in from Michael Elise. And Eze had only been on this pitch about five minutes and he gets up and he heads it in at the far post and it's 1-0. And, um, you know, we, we, we seemed then as if we were going to uh, see this game out. It really did look good. Um, Edouard had a, had a good chance as well with Amada shot just wide uh, shortly uh, before the end. And then, you know, you got... The, the 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 brilliant chart from the away end then was uh, how shit must you be we're winning away which I haven't heard for a long long time which was fantastic um, and then we get to stoppage time six minutes go up we think we're going to see this out and then you know we lose a little bit of concentration um, you know there was a time when I think one of the players should have uh, maybe run into the corner it might have even been Io actually and he plays the ball it gets intercepted um, they break down their right hand side. That Mumbumbo, whatever his name is, he looks pretty tasty, doesn't he? He's had a good season. Great ball in. Anderson loses a bit of concentration. And it was a good header right on the right of the death. And it was a real, real body blow. If you were in the stadium last Saturday, Saturday week ago, it was a real blow because we thought we won the game. And uh, then suddenly we're, we're, we're sharing the points. And it just really felt like a defeat. 
Um, and I didn't move for ages. I just sat there for a long, long time. I was one of the last out of the ground. But um, it was the fourth draw in a row against Brentford in the Premier League in recent times, twice this season, twice last season. We had 41% possession. Um, we were 6-2 on corners to us. The stats were fairly even. Um, Anderson and I got booked. And uh, that was about it, really. Don't forget, this is a side, Brentford, who were 10, now 11 unbeaten. So, you know, they're a decent team there by any stretch of imagination, above us in the league. So, you know, you would have taken the point before kickoff. Of course you would, but it still felt like a defeat. And uh, it was complete opposite to uh, the Brighton draw the week before that, when actually we were so relieved to see the final whistle, we smashed and grabbed that point. And then we had the two taken away from us at the GTEC. So, there we are, Nick. There's a summary, my summary of the game. Very brief. And, I'm, very, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, Ian. Joe, I'm coming to you right now because I've got a question for you. And uh, Greg, same question to you in a minute. Um, Joe, something you've been screaming for all season is a little bit of help for Decore in midfield. Talk to me what you think so far of uh, Laconga, Sambi Laconga, uh, playing alongside Czech Decore. Personally, I think he's been a revelation. My only sad part in my mind is that we haven't got on, on, on an option to buy. Jill. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 what he's showing first of all is a really good, a really good attitude um, for a lonely, the, the, the same as Gallagher last season. You know, um, I know some of our players have gone on loan in years, and you know, certain players have, have actually been sent back. But yeah, it, it seems a perfect fall for uh, for Decore in the middle. Um, he's hard working, tough tackling, and he can pass as well. You know, under a little bit of pressure few times, again, we'll probably cover it later on, but, you know, he's a good passer of the ball. But, yeah, very, very happy with him um, sitting there with the core. Yeah, absolutely. Greg? Yeah, I thought, especially yesterday, um, it's the first time I'd I'd really got to see a a good look at him, really. He looked very comfortable on the ball. You know, um, when when you get lone players in, you're never really sure how much game time they've had at at their parent club. But he, he, he... did seem to look like he'd slotted in nicely, and you know, I was, it, it felt very comfortable. You know, watching him, I wasn't, you know, nervous. You know, seeing him on the ball, he, he moved it about well. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he, uh, I don't think he put a, a foot wrong really. Um, I, th- I thought it was a really good performance, and uh, you know, w- if we're going to get these kind of players in on loan, uh, we, we, I think we probably have to get used to the fact that we're not going to sign them permanently, and we have to make the best of them while we're here and and certainly on evidence of, of yesterday um he does look he does look like that he's going to get in the starting 11 more often than not interesting paul bristow saying it's now 60 years since we lost at brentford in the league a couple of interesting comments in the paul, chat paul bristow was there i think when we did was he, was he there? <laughs> um facebook user Adams, i presume that's you you see uh, lacoga was very um very confident the real panel, evening, mate. I hope you're well. Get on the show soon. How many times we've got to do this? Uh, he's, he was saying, and there's a, a notification just come up covering what Paul said. Hang on a second. Uh, Laconga shows great control. And I think, that's, I think that's absolutely right. I think this guy could have a little bit of a future. And he seems to be enjoying playing for uh, Vieira as well. Uh, great confidence. And finally, give the rest of the team confidence to pass the ball into our midfield. And that's... I think that's absolutely key. Talking about the chat, Mr. Richards, anything in the chat so far? Um, good bunch of people. Uh, as usual, Renshaw Baker, Daniel Garlic, Tony Quinn, uh, Graham, 
uh, John Knox, Chloe, Mark Callahan, Steve Chandler, usual ones, Andy Stacey. Uh, there was a little bit of discussion about whether Butland actually is on loan or if he's gone permanently. Um, but uh, I think he's on loan. Um, some uh, Jonathan Cook here, yeah, Jonathan Cook. Gaeta is mustard. I'm assuming he thought he was quite good last night. Um, but yeah, it's um, not much at the moment, just the, the usual guys coming through. Indeed. And uh, remiss of me to not say at the top of the show, but ladies and gentlemen, please get involved in our Instagram account. We've got Tom Clark Samuels working very hard for us. All the images you see on Twitter are produced by Tom, and he does a great job for us. Uh, you can obviously follow us at Red underscore and underscore blue underscore review. Please get on there, give it a tweet, give it a like. Any suggestions you want to see on our Instagram account, let me know or let Tom know direct. Tom's on in, uh, Facebook as well. He's on. He's always on all our socials. So just reach out to him. Anything that you can think about to increase our uh, presence on Instagram and support Tom, I'll be very grateful. So moving on to yesterday's game. Uh, very strange time for me. I, I don't know if I can ever get used to that 7.30 kickoff in the evening or whatever it was. It was very bizarre. But I managed to, I was away for the weekend, but I managed to watch every single minute of that game. And I'm very positive. I know it's another draw. I know it's another point. What is it? Five out of six draws in the last six games, something like that, Ian. And it, it's a lot of people are getting depressed. Well, we carry on drawing for the rest of the season. We stay up on 42 points, according to Carl Davis. Before I throw to you, Ian, Mr. Holyoke wants to raise a point. Uh, something that Ian, Ian just said as well in, in the last one. He said he would have took a point at Brentford. We definitely would have took a point against before the game against Brighton. We would have taken a point before the game against Liverpool. You know, and then there's people kicking off on social media going, oh, it's the end of the world. You know, and I we're not happy, you know, we're not happy with points. I'd rather have one than none. So, you know, you can't you can't have it always. Um, having said that, after Ian's report of the uh, of the game, I think Maybe we should have had three, but yeah, of course. But I mean, yeah. and don't, okay, Paul Bristow, I'm talking to you directly here. What is the stat? Uh, the games we played recently uh, is it the last 10 games or we played teams above us in the league? And look at where we are, we're sitting quite comfortably, lower mid table. I'm quite happy. Mm -hmm. Ian, talk to me about yesterday's game, please. Yeah, I mean, I will in a sec, but you know, you're, you're spot on, you know, in as much as. The run we've been on has been a really tough run of games. You know, the you know, and the, the irony is we lost at Chelsea away. It's the only win they've had. But you know, we lost at United. But you know, aside from that, we've had five draws against top teams: United at home, Newcastle at home, and the other three that we've mentioned already. You know, these these are good results in themselves. The problem is we just haven't had enough wins either all the way along. So therefore, we're thinking, looking over our shoulder a little bit at the bottom three, rather than looking up the table. I think that's the problem. Um, the game yesterday, you know, please, I, I hated that kickoff time. It was a horrible, horrible <laughs> kickoff time. I don't know what people think in the chat. Saturday night football at 7.45 should be banned, full stop. You know, 5.30 is just about all right. But, you know, you kick your heels the whole flipping day. You get there. You can't get home until late because the trains are up the creek. So you've got to drive. I just thought it was a really bad kickoff time. The only saving grace was it was a home game and we didn't have to travel back miles from the north of England or something like that. 
I think in terms of the game itself, um, we grew into the game in both halves. I've heard that said. Um, there's the starting eleven. It's the same starting eleven as the team at Brentford. No changes at all. Um, one of the good things, um, or the two, there were two doubts about the starting eleven before it was announced. One was Torrent Mitchell at left back because he went off injured at Brentford uh, with a knock. And although he'd been training, we weren't sure whether he was going to start. He made the start at 11. Thank goodness we haven't got a backup left back. Um, and the other one was Wilf. Would he make it back in time? He's been training. Clearly, he didn't make it back in time. Uh, so maybe we'll see him next week. Um, it seemed to me it was all Liverpool early on. There were the Salah chance, Jota chance. Goita was making saves. Uh, Goita got save points in FPL. If you had him in your FPL team, he got nine points yesterday. Um, really, really, really good goalkeeper. And um, then we do get a chance early on with Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, uh, reverting to type as a defender, he, a back pass that went wrong for them. Mateta pounced on it, but he, he didn't really make any proper contact. It was off target uh, and the keeper still got uh, you know something on it, which meant it went off for a corner, I think. But he should have done much, much better with that chance. Um, I think he was a bit surprised to see it, to be fair with you. Um we talked about Lukonga already tonight. He, I thought he had a great game yesterday. Um, I thought Elise, you know, he, he was he was on the ball a lot. He was here, there and everywhere, it seemed. He started off right and then he got into the middle and he was moving around quite a bit. Um, and the only way they could stop him was cynical fouls. And um, their little midfield player got booked early on for um, pulling him back quite cynically, I thought, in the first half. And the resulting free kick on the left, um, Mark Gay, he headed just wide. It wasn't far away. It was it was close. Um, and then up the other end, it looked a tad offside to me, but they played on. The linesman wasn't up with a play. Um, and Klein, he got the ball on the edge of the box, but he also got a little bit of Jota, and he gave away a free kick right on the edge. And not only that, um, Darren England booked him. Yeah, it just wasn't a bookable offence. It was barely it wasn't even a foul. It, was a, it wasn't even a foul, really. He got the ball. He got the ball. Um, he got the ball. He gives a free kick. Trent stands over it. And then the funniest thing happens. He has a really good effort on goal. And he's going in and he hits Henderson smack in the face. And went off for a goal kick. It was hilarious. Of course, you, you don't see the funny side of it too much in the ground because it all happens so quickly. When I watched it back, I thought that was priceless. And, um, you know, because Klopp was moaning, oh, a bit of bad luck. Well, yeah, of course it was bad luck, but it was good for us. Um, yeah, so then, um, what next? Um, and then, and then we got the more chances up for, for us. Klein, he, he, he crossed the ball deeply from the right hand side, and Elise put the ball back in quickly across the box. And a ricochet, um, went off for a corner, could have gone anywhere. Um, and Elise crossed again from the right hand side, and that was missed. And that was similar, I thought, to the, the cross he put in at Brentford. But no one was on the end of it. Eze wasn't on the pitch. And Matessa was nowhere to be seen. And it flew over Schlupp's head, I think, and, you know, went out for a goal kick. But it's crosses like that that we've got to connect with, I think, to um, to do better um, in, uh, in, in, in the game and score goals, of course. Um, and then the, the biggest chance of the first half, I think, was when Schluppy did well on the left-hand side. I've seen in the chat tonight already that someone said they thought Schlupp had a bad game. I don't think he had a particularly bad game. Um, this particular chance, he did really well. He, he picked Trent Alexander's pocket. He got the ball across. And Mateta, he, it was almost, his contact was almost too good. 
and it hit the top of the bar. You know, if he just puts less on it, less power on it, it probably goes in. And you've got to be saying your strikers in those positions against teams like Liverpool have got to hit the target. They really have. So I think it's not unrealistic to expect him to do that from that position. And uh, you might say it's bad luck, and he's holding his head afterwards. You could see rolling his eyes, thinking, how on earth have I missed it? But it was a really big chance that I think was the, the, the chance that should have, should have won us the game yesterday. Uh, I think it was in the 41st minute towards the end of the first half. So there's the first half, guys. Uh, I don't know if anyone wants to come in and if you watched it on TV, what your thoughts were um, on that first half and, and general the coverage from Sky. Tim, you were the you were the current. What do you think? Yeah, I I was still sitting in front of him, so pretty much saw what he saw. Um, one thing, the first thing I'd say, I know we're going to talk about it later, is it's been a long time since I've heard that much vitriol towards the officials with good cause. Um, Mateta, what can I say about Mateta? I thought he had one of his best games for us yesterday in the effort that he put in, which isn't saying much because he's damn awful usually. But I remember I got back and um, the missus actually, Wendy actually put Term Match of Day on for me, which I couldn't believe. And it was the Palace game. And Danny Murphy was actually spot on. He was talking about it and he was saying, you know, the Mateta chances said there were good chances, should do better. And that's unfortunately sums Mateta up. He should do better. He's he's a lovely guy. You know, I think he wants to, but he's just simply not up to Premier League standard, I don't think. Thank you. And, and Tim, do you actually uh, possibly think that your missus put match of the day on for you so she, so she didn't have to talk to you? Just a thought. Yeah, Jeff. that's probably actually more likely. Yeah, that's probably very true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the thing about Matessa, I, I don't know what his wages are, but if they're, if they're comparable to his ability, then we shouldn't be expecting him to be scoring. If, he, if he's not £150,000 a week, if he's not £130,000 like Wilf, then you would expect him to score more than he does, more than he has since August. Um, but yeah, he's not. So I, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we, I can't even, I can't even let, bring let myself me, to say Ben Seke. Would Ben Seke score those? <laughs> don't know. Can I bring Greg in? Because, Greg, you mentioned something on a chat we had earlier about strikers. What was it you were saying about strikers earlier? Yeah, um, OK. I think it was um, it was along the lines of, did, did, did the club buy Mateta as, as, a, as a sort of a low-risk investment? Given that he had been on loan, the club had obviously had time to, to see him train, how he integrates into the side, etc., and whatever their targets were in, in the summer or or towards the end of the season, you know, did they feel that they that the eight million was was ultimately going to be a, a sort of a, a wiser investment than, than punting on an unknown? Now, I, I think really their main target would have been uh, Enketia at Arsenal. So maybe they knew they wouldn't get him. So I, I I'm not I'm not saying he's a bad player, Mateta. I just think personally he was a low risk investment yeah, yeah. interesting thoughts yeah tim no i see i i see where you're coming from greg but last night summed it up for me with Miteta in that it's not even for me the lack of goals it's the lack of effort 
there were several times where Liverpool were playing with it at the back where we could have pressed or a ball was played across and Mateja just stopped running. He just didn't put the effort in. And that, for me, is the issue. I remember back in oh, the early 2000s, was it? United had a, had a striker. I think he was Argentinian or South American. Hardly scored any goals. But he never stopped running. He never stopped putting the effort in. So they, they loved him because, yeah, he didn't score the goals. But he never stopped trying. And Mateta, like last night, a couple of times, he just stopped running. He could have put the effort in, but he didn't. And that, for me, is his Tim, biggest... I'm just going to pull you up on something you said a little bit earlier. And I'm going to throw it back to Ian to do the second half. Tim, you, you said uh, right as soon as Ian finished his first half thoughts that the one thing you didn't criticise him for last night was not scoring because he put in the effort. Now you're saying he didn't put in the effort. He put, no, he, he put in more effort than he normally does, but it still wasn't enough. I still don't think he actually... I mean, people knock Ayu. He's not, you know, I knock Ayu. He hasn't got the technical ability, but he never stops running. He never stops trying to do something. He never stops trying to get in the way or doing something. But Mateta doesn't do that. So that, for me, is one of the biggest reasons I don't think he should start. I've also seen this weekend that Mateta is carrying out the instructions of Vieira to the T in as much as he's, 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 he's holding the ball up. He's bringing other people into play. He did that a few times yesterday, especially in the first half. And... You know, he is getting in the box. He's getting on the end of some of these chances. They're just not going in for him at the moment. So I think he's doing what he's asked of him. Maybe as Vieira's saying, don't press particularly high, you know. And, uh, you know, yesterday, would it have made a huge difference if we pressed? No, because they just moved the ball quicker if he pressed. And I don't think it would have made a big difference, to be honest with you, if he pressed every time Van Dyke, whatever his name is, or, or Matip had got the ball. He wouldn't have. It wouldn't have made any difference to Liverpool's play. They just would have moved it quicker, left or right. Or just to interrupt you very quickly, in uh, Paul Brissot, she said he's, he's looked it up, and Mateta is allegedly on. on if you can believe what it says on those sites. Before you do, can, can we just go back to uh, Nigel? Can we go back to Paul Bristow's point about uh, uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier? Because uh, he answered the question. I asked him, I set Paul Bristow a question and he came back and answered the question. Have you got it there to bring it up on screen? Uh, I'll, I'll just give him a second or so to see if he can find it. Maybe he hasn't. Because um, Paul Bristow, we were talking about the teams that we played above us and it was something along the lines that uh, since the turn of the year, we have played every team that we played so far have been above us at the point of kickoff so far this season. Now, don't forget... Again, when we're going to be talking later on about the negativity around the club, that in itself means what we've got to play later on in the season. Every team below us in the league. So we have plenty of opportunity. All the doom and gloom mongers out there talking about relegation and looking over your shoulder. Have a think who we played. There it is. Okay, Every team we have played this calendar year were in the top half of the table at time of kickoff. So thank you for that, Paul. I appreciate your quick response. That, that should actually give fill everybody with a bit of joy that we've got some lower league teams who are scrapping for their lives to play yet. So maybe let's think twice about this, the negativity around the club, around the manager and everything else. Uh, Ian, second half, mate. Yeah, so second half, as I said, we grew into the game, I think, in both halves, you know, and it was the same second half, similar story. Liverpool started brighter. Uh, Salah hit the bar quite early on. You know, we hit the bar in the first half. It was the same crossbar. They'll curled it. Another day, that could have easily got in. Goita was beaten easily. 
Um, then Trent had one, uh, crossed it. It was a sort of cross-come shot from the right-hand side, uh, which uh, Vincente Guita tipped over the bar. Um, and I think we absorbed quite a lot of pressure in those early moments of, of that second period. When we did counter, Elise countered. Um, he played the ball out to I wide on the right. Very poor delivery, sort of cross, ended up on the roof of the net. Really poor, very disappointed with that one. Uh, Elise crossed it a couple more times. There just didn't seem to be anyone in the box to connect with the crosses. It's no good putting crosses into the box if we've not got anyone on the end of them. And I think that was noticeable in those those periods of the second half, sort of halfway through the second period. Um, he was, at least say again, on the right-hand side, he picked the ball up at his own half. It was right in front of his team, wasn't it? When he ran down the right-hand side, a mazy run, a track by Henderson, and Henderson fouls him right on the edge of the penalty area uh, to get a free kick. And literally, another step, and he would have been in the box. And I did say, to, you know, maybe Tim and one or two others I was with, I said, if he's in the box and that happens, he doesn't give it, does he? You know, if it's the same foul, you know, if it's in the penalty area, he probably goes, no, or something like that. You can just see it. But anyway, it was outside the area, free kick, um, which which came to nothing. Um, I was turned to be fouled then. I mean, you know, he, Teresa said um, in the chat, I've seen the fact that I made some brilliant runs yesterday and, and some real nice touches. And he did, you know, and, and he was fouled by Firmino. Very cynical again for another yellow card. Um, uh, what next? Um, Gatko chance up the other end. Uh, Goita did well to, to smother it. Uh, Sama put, put him through and you could see that going in. But Goita did really well to come out and smother him. And then we see, you know, his backwards and forwards, one end to the other. Edouard was a sort of almost dramatic. Again, very cynical for his yellow card. I thought they picked up five yellows, Liverpool, yesterday. And all the only, you know, you could sort of admire them in a way for wanting to stop us by any means necessary. But they were dirty, you know, dirty. Northern, I agree. You know, Absolutely you know, agree. Yeah, not good, not good. Um, and, you know, there's pressure at, at the end. Um, you know, the SA free kick, um, it was a foul on Ayu. Um, and, of course, amidst all of that, which we've got to mention was the uh, minutes applause for the late great John Motson. So we all know that his last commentary was at Sellers in 2018 when we beat West Brom 2-1 and um, it was lovely. The whole ground stood up and clapped on 77 minutes. The play carried on of course and it was up our end, up the Homesdale end. Liverpool were trying to play out from the back at the time but it was fantastic to uh, to recognise the guy yesterday <clears throat> with that applause. Um, you know, we get to full time um, nil nil, you know, corners given at full time. Referee gives the corner, and then he looks at his watch and says, No time to take the corner, lads. Game over. And of course, um, you know, our players didn't react too well because we thought we wanted that one last chance to take, you know, a, another corner. And Anderson got booked for his troubles. You know, I think if you if you look at his lip reading, if you watch the video footage of it, I think he's you can lip read the word cheat. Is what he said to the referee, which is probably why he got a yellow. Um, I also watched, and if you haven't seen this yet, guys, go back and watch Mark Gahey's post-match interview. Um, really eloquent for a young guy. He's only 22. He's got the armband. Um, you know, he's got a great future ahead of him if he can hold interviews like that. And his summary of it was, you know, they, they were asked him, Sky, I think, you know, are you worried about the fact that, you know, Palace are getting chances but not converting them? And he said, trust me, they work hard on this 
all day, every day. And he said, it will come. I have no worries. Now, you know, he knows it better than we do, doesn't he? So I was quite, I was quietly encouraged by that. And you get, if we keep doing the same things we're doing, um, just with a tweak and a bit more luck here and there, my palace glass is half full, by the way, then the goals, I think, will come. Mark knows. There we go. There you go. And have we got any stats from the uh, Liverpool game, please, uh, Nigel? Because I, I think you... There you go. Um, so, we, the fouls committed 11 for us, 14 for them. What, what it actually doesn't say there, show there is the bookings. And I think he is right. I think it was 5-2. Five, 5-2. Five, two. Five, two. And one of those, one of ours was the uh, Anderson incident. Gel, I know you... you uh, I'm coming to you two other lads in a second, but did you notice how, how dirty they were? Ian used the word dirty, and they were. I mean, but they weren't, we weren't getting all the decisions. I'm not, I'm, they're left back. I'm, I don't even know why he was still on the pitch at half time, let alone get substituted. He got substituted because they uh, clock knew he was going to get sent off. Trent got substituted. I, um, Robertson stayed on the pitch. Robertson played. No, who's, who's that guy that got booked early? Kata. Uh, Nabi Nikita. Yeah, he's yeah. so, yeah. just a scummy, dirty little bastard, isn't he, Joe? Mm. <laughs> the thing is, the, the bigger the team. So, so, so <laughs> when Wimbledon, I'm, I keep harking back to Wimbledon because I love referencing Wimbledon when it comes to the Premier League. When when Wimbledon used to uh, say, Cantona's not going through, and Vinnie Jones would literally just, just, pull him back, grab him or do whatever. And people go, ah, oh, dirty Wimbledon, they're filthy, they shouldn't be in a... But, but the other way round, when it's the other way round, the bigger team gets the small... It's cynical. It's all it is. You're dirty if you're the small team, tough tackling, harsh tackling, stop them at any cost, or you're cynical. That's, that, that's the, the sycophancy of the, of, the, of the Premier League almost in a nutshell. Um... Liverpool are not a dirty side. They, you know, they're like us. We don't... I mean, the only, the only thing I will say is that they are much better at diving than we are. And that cost us two yellow cards. They're diving. You know, I, I, I get dismayed because, you know, VAR, VAR is, is... It can be good and it can be bad. But the thing is, that takes... That would take 15 seconds. Then a, then a referee, they don't get that free kick, right? So that so the, so the Henderson getting you know his brain put from the front to the back of his own head, that, that doesn't happen if VAR goes. Yeah, no, if you got it wrong. It should be just give it back to the goalkeeper, um, or they would have cleared it. You know that, that that kind of thing doesn't happen, and that's and that's for me is why a lot of these teams, the big teams, they get these chances because their players they dive, they scream, they they're just a, they're just a better quality con. I've got to jump in and say uh, Rob Cranfield said, uh, unfortunately, he's up in Bindipaland next week for his daughter's wedding. Uh, somebody said, could you bring my hubcaps back? I was about to say, I hope they don't nick the wheels off the wedding car. Uh, Robert, anyway, Tim, if, as long as you haven't dozed off there, uh, do you think that Liverpool are masters of the dark art? Um, I'll let you into a little secret here. When I was 10 years old, for one season, I was also a Liverpool fan, but I got over that. <laughs> but, but I have to say, um, 
when I was back in New Zealand, a couple of our best friends there were Liverpool fans, so we used to have a lot of conversations. But I am so sick and tired of hearing about Liverpool and all the, oh, Liverpool this, Liverpool that, all the excuses being made, or no one can say anything bad about Liverpool. And their, and their team's much the same. They can do no wrong. Anything they do, there is a reason for it. There is uh, an excuse for it. There is some reason why, or don't judge it. The game against us last season, we lost 3-1. First goal, or the second goal was offside, and the third one was never a penalty. But it's Liverpool, they get those decisions. So, no, I'm sick of you. The way you watch them, Mane, when he played for them, cheat, Salah, he's, he's well known to be a cheat. But, yeah, you look at Henderson yesterday, you look at a lot of their players. I, I, I have absolutely no time for Liverpool, their team, the way they play. Klopp, I like him as a manager. I think, you know, he makes me laugh. But you watch them play, you watch them play every week or a lot of games, and they, they're, they're dirty, they're clever, like Joel says. They manipulate the referee. All the referees seem to like Liverpool. And I'm sick of it. And the, the way that Sky commentates on them, Oh, they're brilliant. No other team exists. And it's, yeah, I'm just, yeah, for me, they're just below Brighton for, for how I feel about them, to be fair. Tim, so, um, Greg, they're talking, the boys are talking about bias. I understand you might have something to say on big team bias. Yeah, I do. Um, look, I don't I don't get to see as many games as I'd like to these days. Um, so last night was a, was a rare occasion for me where I got to see the whole game. Now, I don't know, you know, if people out there that do watch, you know, certainly more games than I do, other teams, you know, um, for example, if Nottingham Forest are playing Liverpool or Villa are playing Manchester City, I just felt last night, I just wanted to turn the commentators off. It, you know, obviously I'm a Palace fan and, you know, I'm, I'm always going to want to hear positive things about the club and, you know, it, 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 after all, it, it's a Saturday night game. And if you're a neutral watching that game, I couldn't help but feel that, the commentators, they, there's just a big team narrative that they that they they're, that they were creating throughout the entire first half. You know, they weren't prepared to give Palace a chance, and I think it was, um, it wasn't Don. I think it was Don Goodman, the other guy. I'm not sure who was on comms. He did sound a bit like Alan Partridge, to be fair. Um, you know, he said he couldn't see where the threat was going to come from from Palace. And then for the next sort of 20 to 25 minutes, Palace grew into the match. And it was palpably obvious that we were competing against Liverpool. And I just, I just, I just felt that, that they, didn't want, they didn't want to lead with the fact that Palace were, 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 were competing. I felt it, it was very much, oh, you know, it, that Liverpool will be all right in a minute. You know, I'm, I'm sure they'll go 1-0 up. And, you know, it just really got on my nerves. And, and you know, they didn't mention... Zahar, I don't think, until the 73rd minute. Now, it, you know, we are Palace. We are smaller than Liverpool. That's a fact, you know. Um, and our best player isn't playing. So what do they expect? You know, we're not going to roll over against Liverpool. We're going to try. And, and I don't know. I just, I just, in the end, I just, I just thought I, I, I should watch this game on mute. I mean, it takes something away from it. But I, I just felt that why are these commentators creating that narrative for teams against the bigger clubs. Someone made the point, though, um, Greg, in the chat, the players can't hear that. It can't affect them during the game. Um, the the commentary bias, you know, the, that's the game. But, um, you know, what we do know is the referees are biased towards the big clubs, certainly Liverpool. You know, all right, so he books five of them yesterday, but 
we've seen in the chat already, a couple of people have said, Firmino should have seen red. Um, Nabi Keita should have seen red. You know, he, 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 he lets them off the second challenges. And, um, you know, I think and, uh, Trent should have got booked for throwing the ball away. Real panel said in there. There, there are other examples, you know. He, he's he's going to favour Liverpool with the decisions of referees. Um, and I think we're always going to get the commentaries. If you can watch the game on TV, you know, we said pre-show, you know, if you've got two teams that are, I watched Fulham Wolves on Friday night, there was no bias in that. Um, if Liverpool come up against Man United, it's not going to be a bias in that necessarily. It's when the one of the bigger clubs play a club like Palace, that you might get the commentators say, you know, more, more comments about Liverpool. I don't mind them not mentioning Zaha's name to the 70th minute. He wasn't playing. You know, it was, it's, it's, I think it's a compliment to everyone else that's on the pitch. Um, I think it was. I think it was more to do, Ian, with with the fact that they they weren't prepared to acknowledge that our best player wasn't. You know, we, we are slightly under strength. You know, our best player's not on the pitch. So, you know, it, it it grated on me. I mean, I get what you're saying, but it grated on me because I just felt like, well, yeah, of course we're going to be slightly under strength. Our best player's not on the pitch. There we Joe, go. Joe, you had a point. Well, a few points as it happens. So, in the fifteenth minute, what annoyed me so badly was that the that the Sky production team, because you couldn't hear the Liverpool fans, they turned the, the microphones down around the around the ground when it when it was Palace fans singing, so you could hear the Liverpool fans. And I was like, what? And and what they did, they messed up so badly trying to do it. That you could that they, they left one on, and you could hear random people shouting in the crowd. When in the background, you could hear the drum and the Honesdale singing. It was really embarrassing. It, it, like, and, and, and there is a there is a big thing. There is a there is a narrative. I don't care what people say. I, I, I've always said that you know that, that football. We've had so much happen to us when it comes to to big team bias. That nothing surprises me. Darren England is a shocking referee, and uh, he's one of the worst referees. He's a bottler, and he could have shown. No, not could have. He should have shown red. Kaiser should have gone off in the first half. He he basically was so incompetent that he forced Jurgen Klopp to sub him at a half time because if he wasn't, he was going to be forced to send him off for his sixth foul. Six. That was two after he got a yellow card. You're like, hang on a second. What? And James Milner, James Milner is like literally tried to decapitate Elise. Nothing. Nothing at all. It's just, and it, like I said, VAR, VAR sorts this BS out, right? Because the, the, the guy in it can get him in his, in his ear and say, look, you've messed that up. It's not a foul. It's not a yellow card. That's a red card. How many more chances are you going to give him before you take action? This is what VAR. I thought was VAR was going to was going to be about. You don't not the referees. The referees on the side on the on the, you know the linesmen are referees. The fourth they've got a fourth referee. I, I I just don't understand how they can be so incompetent and 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 blatant. That's what it is. It's almost blatant now. Where they just. It's just like everything else in the world, just thrown in your face. And, and if you don't like it, no one really cares. Tim, to you first and then Greg. Yeah, I mean, Teresa made that point from the chat. Uh, Milner was awful yesterday. Uh, tried some horrible tackles on Elise. Um, 
he's just lucky that Elise say so fast. Um, real panels, they do it because they know that the refs uh, let them get away with it. Um, a lot of other comments on that. Um, Yasmin Henderson ran the game yesterday. As much as I don't like him, we need someone like that. But for me, what summed it up yesterday was in the first half, we're going to play a booked and they get a free kick for a high foot, even though there wasn't a head anywhere near it. And then in the second half, practically exactly the same part of the pitch, Liverpool player does exactly the same thing, a lot closer to the head of one of our players. We don't even get a free kick for it. Um, um, again, real uh, Paul, right, the real panel again. I mean, there was that right by us. You had um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, whatever his name is, throwing the ball away, which is a booking, and not nothing, absolutely nothing happened. And it was time and time again that was happening, you know? I think it's fair to say we were hard done by by the referee yesterday. Darren England does not like Crystal Palace, unlike Paul Tierney, because we haven't lost for three and a half years when he's been in the middle and he ref the Brentford game. So more Paul Tierney, please, and less Darren England. That's all I've got to say. To and, the is, and don't forget, um, Greg, I'm coming to you now, but don't forget, wasn't it Darren England when we played away in the Etihad Stadium where, who's that new fellow, Harland, kicked Alisson in the head and, in, and we didn't even get a free kick for it? He should have a straight red card. It's was he bloke, refereeing it? that game? He was refereeing that game. Was it was he? the same okay. bloke. Fucking idiot. Fucking idiot. Greg? Yeah, I think I just wanted to just, just go back to the VAR. I mean, forgive me if I, you know, for not knowing, but is, is VAR not a constant monologue in the ref's ear? You know, if the ref blows for a foul, is there not someone down the other line going, no, that ain't a foul? You know, or, you know, it, I, I don't understand... Because there were two, there were very early decisions. Yes, yes there, is. Right. there is, there yes. is. But listen, the thing is, VAR is supposed to be there to, um, to, to, to identify clear and obvious errors that the on field officials make. I, I just clear felt and obvious that th th right, those, those the, early that, fouls were obvious, words. they were errors. They were Klein's yellow card was obvious, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. He won the ball. The, the, the replay showed that. It, so it I don't think they get obvious. involved with yellows, do they? They only get involved if it's a red. Like there was yeah. a, a decision today. Correct. I didn't watch it. I wasn't watching it closely. Where a Chelsea player got sent off, and then VAR says to the referee, "It wasn't that bad. Go and look at the monitor." He looks at the monitor, and he allows him to stay on the pitch. So I think it's it's the big decisions, isn't it? It's the red cards. It's the offsides when there's a goal, and that kind of thing where yeah, VAR comes into play. But, but that free kick, had it not hit Henderson full in the head, was a goal. Would they would have scored? Guaita was standing still. Never was getting near well. in a million. The goal would have stood. The goal would have but, stood. But that's as, what I'm as, saying. As, as real panel says, I can only you. recommend a red card, not a yellow. I can't, can't rescind one. It can't say that wasn't a yellow card. You can't give that as a yellow card. Then the law is an ass. Well, maybe it is, but that's the law. That's, that's what we're working with. Right, boys, we're going to move me, I'd rather just see VAR scrap. They've tried it. It hasn't worked. It's supposed to give us less controversy. It's given us more controversy because there's idiots that draw lines in the wrong place. Yes, it worked to our advantage against Brighton. They drew the line in the wrong place. But imagine if that had been against us. Yeah, but see, this, but then, Ian, this, this is the whole point. VAR is great. VAR is perfect and it does exactly what you need it to. But you've got the same incompetent, biased referees sitting in a room that are the same ones that stand on pitches and put performances like they did last night. VAR isn't the issues. It's the people running it and making the decisions that are the issue. 
Yeah, can we just read, read a few of these comments out for me, Nick? Yeah, I'm used to more like rugby checks. Uh, they speak with the ref all the time, and and uh, correct decisions are um, pretty much 100%. If they just need to take a piece of this, it's simple. Uh, Tony Quinn says, VAR will tell the ref if the yellow was correct or not, uh, but not... Um, oh, I've missed it. It's gone past. I can't read that quick. Oh, my life. Where's it gone? What's he say? Oh, I've lost it. Yeah, here we are. But I will tell the ref if the yellow was correct or not, but cannot overturn. It's up to the ref to allow the next foul to go. I suppose he's got a very valid point there. Thanks, Tony, for that one. Um, so, you know, it's what it is. We, you know, we can't change the rules. We're not going to change them. We can moan about it. We can, And sometimes, as I said, like the Brighton game, it works in our favour. But for me, I'd, I'd rather see the game without VAR. And I'll tell you what is wrong, and it doesn't matter anymore for us this season because we're at the bloody cup, but to have VAR in one cup match and not in another cup match in the same competition is completely ludicrous. That has got to change next season. It's a nonsense, complete nonsense. Rant over. And mute off as well. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, boys, we're going to change the subject a minute because I'm conscious of the time. It's, it's already gone 10 to 9. Um, ladies and gentlemen and Facebook land, thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. I really appreciate all the comments that are in that chat. If you don't follow Carl Davis, a friend of the show, he's been on here quite a few times. We were talking about this pre-show. Carl's uh, Twitter handle is at Calico Carl. Okay, well worth a follow. Extremely knowledgeable Palace fan. And I mean, a very well-connected Palace fan as well. He does this um, weekly roundup of the league, the Premier League and working on three different algorithms that he works with. And this is how he's done it up to week 25. Um, only three teams have played at the point that he wrote this, OK? Palace were on to 27 points. So that's equal to last season, like-for-like like games, OK? Trip, and he, he said in brackets, I've triple-checked that, OK? We are uh, we're on 27 points, as I said. We are forecasted still to finish 12th on 43 points. It's a 6% probability of relegation, only 6%. The gap between the drop zone remains at six points. Um, the, the, I think, and last season, uh, from his three algorithms, he got the top three absolutely correct. He got Palace's finishing position absolutely spot on. I think he was maybe one point out, okay? He's extremely... Uh, intelligent and in what he does. Um, he's a guy, for those who have been watching the show for many years, he's the guy that runs the business MITRE. Okay, MITRE football. He runs that business. And so a highly intelligent chap. And for those of you with the glasses half empty, think again, have a look at Cole, follow Carl, have a look at what he's doing on a week to week basis. It's encouraging. Joe. Yeah. Um, so what's his, what's his predictions for? for for this year, uh, hang on two seconds. I've got. I do have it here. If you just bear with me a second. Arsenal, so, City. Okay. Here we go. So finishing as champions, he's predicted Arsenal on eighty-six points, Man City on eighty-five points, Man United on seventy-six points, and Spurs at sixty-seven points. The bottom at the bottom will be Everton on thirty-six points, going down. On two billion pound stadium. Yeah, you know, going into an empty <laughs> stadium next season. And 19th and 20th, bottom two on equal points are Southampton and Bournemouth at 31 points. Now, I don't know if Nigel or anybody else wants to make a note of these predictions, but this was actually posted four hours ago. So Newcastle in fifth, Liverpool in sixth, 
uh, that lockdown at the south coast in on seven in seventh on 59 points uh forest on 38 Leeds on 37 then there's bottom three everton saints and uh bournemouth all going down it's been very interesting to see how that goes and so far this season because he updates it every week it's pretty close. I have to say, he's pretty close in his predictions. And, so, uh, uh, and Palace are finishing where? 12th? 12th. Yeah. He 12th. doesn't really need a crystal ball to work that out. We've been 12th for weeks. Yeah, well, absolutely. That, so that, <laughs> what, that, what it actually does verify is what we've been talking about. We're, we're getting lots of points, okay? Lots of single points, not enough three points, and we're losing your couple. So where's it going to do? It's, going, it's just doing that, Okay. Paul Grant says, can he predicted Mateta will have another shot this season? Um, let's have a few more like that. That's quite funny. I've had uh, I've had some uh, I've asked him for the lottery numbers, but he hasn't, he hasn't been forthcoming on that. Yeah. So coming up uh, over the next few weeks, what have we got? So we're away at Villa Park next Saturday at three o'clock. Then we're at home to Sete, uh, which is 17 half past five kickoff. Oh, thank you, Nigel. I didn't know you had that slide. Then we are away at Brighton. If you're all going to Brighton, tell me in the chat. I can't see their ads, you bozos. That's why I said, tell me in the chat. Um, so, <laughs> which is a half hour. Seven. If you were going to Brighton, clap your hands. That's what yeah. I thought you were going to start. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, away at Brighton, half past seven kickoff. I'm sure that's the. Is that, uh, is that the day of the train strike? No, they've moved the it. They've moved it because there was a train strike on the Thursday. So and then, then we're away at the Emirates on the 19th of March at two o'clock. Uh, Leicester at home, Leeds away, Southampton away, Everton at home. By with a bit of luck, we could relegate Everton at that point. Wolves away, and then West Ham at home. So we've got lots coming up, uh, and plenty more shows between now and the end of the season. We're we're getting to the business end. I, mean, I suppose we're over half, we're over halfway now. Business end of the season, boys. Um, anything else from you guys? Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about before I wrap it? I think what we've seen one question in the chat um, earlier, would we make any changes for the Villa game? As you quite rightly say, Nick, we're at Villa Park next Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. Um, I, I can answer that question. Um, we've talked about lineups already. Um, I think I really want to see Eze get a start in the side. Um, so let's assume that Wilf isn't fit for next Saturday. Let's assume he's still out. Um, I'd like to see Eze come in for Schlup. And I really want to see Edouard get a chance up top instead of Mateta. And otherwise, the same. So make those two changes, Patrick, for us. I'll be very happy next Great. Saturday. I've written down here, I'd like to see Hughes come in for Schlupp and Eze in for Ayu. Okay. I can't see Ayu being dropped. I really can't. You're not going to he's, see him drop. He has definitely he's got, got photographs of you. Not going to find as he's got. Me and you said exactly the same simultaneously, big man. <laughs> Tim, any changes? No, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd uh, take Ayu out and Schlup, but no, so Ayu and Mateta out and bring in Edouard and Eze for me. Crystal Palace, North East, England, Scotland, Highlands and Ireland, Exiles, Hussein and Zaha bring Zaha back in. That's a, that's assuming he hasn't broken down in training that we don't know about. But don't forget, this is Patrick Vieira we're talking about. I'm not going to criticise him. He's a young manager, still learning his trade. He's now doing his toughest job in his short managerial career. He is, I think, you know, at the end of the day, we are 12th. Where was Roy Hodgson this time two years ago? We were, we were just sitting above the relegation zone. I think he's doing slightly better than Roy. Not much. I think the results are very similar. I think the style of play has 
massively improved. I agree that Eze should maybe warrant a start. But the only thing that worries me about the Eze starting thing, from what I've seen of him, is when he does start, he struggles with the whole game. Okay, He's been more effective as an impact player. I'm coming to you next, Greg, and then Tim. But what we have got, and this is my opinion, is we have a, a rough diamond in... I think he's something special, or he's going to be special, but we already have something special in Elise. So all you doom and gloom Palace fans out there, hang your heads in shame. Greggy. T- taking away the modern um, mm-hmm. you know, sackings of, of managers, this is Vieira's second season, and I think it's fair to say that he'll, he'll see the season out. Um, heading into his third season, if we dial back to when he took over, you know, it was an aging squad and we needed to bring in fresh players, etc. Um, how many years would you give? Uh, how many years is, is it really to, to, to turn it around from Roy and, and to have a clear path of what you think is moving forward? Is, is really his third season? Is that really the make or break year for him and the club, you know? The answer to your question, Greg, is because you might not have seen the show, is the number 10. The magic number is 10. That is how many players are out of contract or of coming to the end of their playing career come June this year. Okay. So he's already had, there you go, they're on screen. Nigel, you're on fire, mate. Um, so we've already had a semi clear out. That was the end of last season. And this summer, we have that lot all out of contract this season. So we're working on the premise that Zaha will go. Ayu uh, was offered a new contract. He hasn't signed it yet. Aging Klein, Aging Ward, Tompkins, I think, uh, and James MacArthur. Maybe one or two of those will get extended. I don't know. But that's 10 there, Greg, is the answer to your question. That will give Vieira, that will give Vieira an entire new squad to work with that he had when he first started at the club. So I'm trying, I'm trying not to call it a project, which is like a lot, what a lot of people call it now. But, you know, if, if going into his third season, like you say, 10 players leave and, and in theory he has replenished that squad and he's got his own squad, it would seem really bizarre to me. Like, even if we were struggling to part with him, given that at that stage, that, that's the transition, isn't it? You, you, I would expect him to have a long, longer time. I'm, I'm just keen to see what people's thoughts are on Vieira. I'm, I'm pro Vieira. I'm quite happy. You know, 12th in the Premier League is great. It is great. I, I can't, I can't be dissuaded out of that. I, I just, I'm quite excited for it, really, because I, I think from next season, that's that's the change we all wanted sort of three years ago. But you know, it takes time, and you know, it doesn't quite work out that way. Well, so I, I, next season is, I think, next season is is the exciting one. I hope you're right. I really, I really hope you're right because um, I, I'm not, I'm with you, Greg. I'd like to see Patrick Vieira stay and. And move up, move this club forward. He's, he's started a job. Let let let, let the guy finish it. Um, and he's learning all the time. He's, he's a relatively relatively inexperienced manager compared to others. Um, and you know, be careful what you wish for because if you lose him, who are you going to get in? Realistically, you said yeah, Green's Graham yeah. Potter before before the show started. Well, yeah, <laughs> I did say that before the show started. <laughs> I did, and I'll, I'll, I'll just clarify that then. I think. If Potter got sacked by Chelsea, which I think he's likely to, if he carries on the way he's going, then if our managerial vacancy became available, I wouldn't be unhappy to see Graham Potter appointed at Palace. That's all I'm saying. Jill, final words to you now. I'm going to say goodnight. I don't know. Tim was going to say something before, before after Greg. 
Go on, Tim. So all, yeah, all, all I was going to say was, to be fair, Vieira can't win because he tried the all-attack approach with Alese and Eze in the team and we got dicked by Fulham, Everton and Spurs. So he changed it, made it more stronger and more defensive. And look, unlucky to lose away to Chelsea. Unlucky to lose away to United. Draw again, Good draw against Liverpool. Other good results. Yeah, not wins, but, but good draws. So, yeah, I think sometimes people have just got to take a step back and take the longer the longer view and look where we were. And at the end of the day, we're not a club that has the backing that can go and buy 50, 60, 70, 80 million pound players. Mm. We've got what we've got. And I think, to be fair, he's doing as good a job as he can with what he's got to work with. Yeah. Well, so Very yeah. quickly, if I can just, sorry, if I can just quickly what? dive in there. All, all I wanted to say was, I've just seen in the chat, like, back the manager, this transfers, that... Is it is it really that the mission is to just extract the last bits of quality out out of these players that are out of contract, make do with what you've got, and then and then like you said, the ten players are going, investment will be made at that point. You know, when when Palace are buying players, it seems to me that you know that the year we bought sort of Elise, Eze, whatever, you know, it seems to we did our business early and we got it done. And I think I think that is why we don't necessarily sign lots of players in January. And, it, and it's maybe more done towards the summer. That's just just my thoughts. I think personally, I think back the manager. I think back the owners. I think we're okay. We're twelfth. We're in the Premier League for eleven years next season. That's sure. what I've got to say. I think we'll only bring in. It, 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 not that we would get rid of ten players. I don't think we would do. We need to keep some of that experience. But I think we're going to get probably get rid of six. I think we'll only buy three. And I think we'll bring bring the loanies in. I mean, Jez Ratsaki yeah. has to be part of our uh, squad next year. Luke Plange has to be part of our squad next year. So yeah, there's two youngsters coming straight from straight from the academy, costing us absolutely bugger all, um, which is going to please Parish no end. Um, and you know, and, and stop the likes of people like me whining because we aren't bringing that academy players happen. through. That'll never happen. I just want to. I just want to pick up one thing. Jonathan Cook says in the chat: Fulham and Brentford further forward than us. Yes, those clubs are higher than us in the Premier League, but are they really further forward than us? I don't think they are. And exactly. the reason I tell you why I don't think they are: they've got an aging squad, especially Fulham. They've got a centre back who's thirty-five, or he's doing all right at the moment. Next season, really? You Let's know see if they put a decade of Premier okay, League listen, together. Gonna, I'll tell you what: we're going to because this is really interesting stuff, boys. Gel. Right, so so the other thing about Fulham is they will be working. Fulham have got an amazing academy. I know that because one of my son, uh, one of my friends' sons went went through it, um, and he said that the only reason he didn't stay there is because Palace wanted to nick him, um, and he still is at the Palace Academy. So, um, but yeah, uh, for for me, we 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 have to. I think I think we've uh, we've um, uh, with Vieira, what he did with City. With the young players, I think he's going to stand him in good stead for for not for, not this season. And I, I, no matter what happens, we're not going to sack him. Um, you know, we if we're going to just be Stoke and we will finish twelve, then that, that's fine by me for this year. But we have to move on next year, and we have to move on with youth. And if we don't promote the youth then I think that people will run out of patience with Vieira, they'll run out of patience with Parrish, and we've already really run out of patience with the Americans, because who are they anyway? So, 
Apart from Sexta. Uh, the one one name you missed of your list of the ones to come back, Raksaki and some is Malcolm Iwiobi, don't forget, Joe. Uh, yes. He's, he's going to, I'm sure he'll be involved in some way. Listen, guys, that was fascinating. Uh, before we go to this evening, I must say a huge thank you and uh, debt of gratitude to Nigel in the background who's producing this evening. He has been so quick on all the slides and information coming up on screen. Nigel, you're a superstar, mate, and we can't do it without you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next Sunday with another Red and Blue review. We will go back and read every single one of your comments. Uh, Ian, Jill, and Tim, thank you for joining me. As, as usual, Greg Ellis, it's been a pleasure having you back on. Really informative, and you know your stuff, mate. You might not get to the games, but you know your palace. Ladies Thanks and gentlemen, for me. on behalf of myself, Nick Philpott, and the rest of the team, I wish you a safe week. Take care, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.